Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who Is at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Well, today's podcast is a combination of part two of The Last Jewish Gangster plus Terror Strikes America. There's an awful lot of terror going on. That is right in front of our eyes. And let's begin with domestic terror. Now, they've created a domestic terror unit, but it's really not aimed at domestic terrorists, is it? It's aimed at dissidents who speak out against this growing socialist slash communist government. Because there is terrorism in America, and it is domestic. How about the Asian woman who's pushed in front of a subway train in New York last week? One of many. And who's doing the pushing? Who was doing the attacking? Who is the number one type of personality in America? Shall I dare say the ethnicity and the sexuality or the gender identity of the individuals who are attacking Asians in America? Who are they? Well, you can't arrest all of them, can you? But you can certainly say that there is a domestic terrorism going on of attacks by a certain group of people, and we got to do something about it. But that's not what the domestic terror unit is away, is set up for. It's to punish dissidents in America. That's because in America, some animals are more equal than others. If you read your Orwell, which I doubt you have. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about our fractured America, our fractured society. As you can see, you have the illegitimate Democrat Party trying to bend the rules, change the rules, destroy the rules, destroy Congress itself in order to impose their will upon the American people. Schumer should be in prison for what he is doing. You understand why the filibuster was created. It's a very obscure point, but an important one. It was created to permit the minority in America, and I don't mean racial, not everything minority is racial, the minority in America, the political minority in America, to voice their disagreement with the majority. That's what the filibuster was created for. It has been in place since the 1800s. And what we are learning from what is happening right before our eyes is that Charles Schumer is an illegitimate gangster, along with the entire Democrat leadership who belong in prison for trying to destroy our society, to get their way, to impose their way, to make certain that your vote never counts again. Our political system itself is fractured. Whose fault is that? Trump's? Democrats? Republicans? No, I would say that uh, the fact of the matter is our system is fractured. It's ruptured. It's a reflection of our ruptured, fractured society. Now, why do I say that? Let's look at nature for a minute. Every morning I try to feed the pelicans, or rather the seagulls, and I watch the pelicans, I watch the cormorants. I most particularly love the pelicans. And what I see are adult pelicans teaching their young how to catch fish. 
This is nature at work. You just sit and wonder at nature. It's restorative to see such beauty, order, and discipline. This is the only way these animals can survive as a species. Now compare this to the American children who are being raised today. There are those without a mother and or a father. No mentor to guide them to teach them how to fend for themselves. They're not learning how to fish, meaning they're not learning the value of work or holding a job. Instead, they take what they want and they destroy what others have. Think about that very carefully. Not only are these children being raised without parents, but then they have been told authority itself is no good. So they don't listen to the teacher. They attack the teacher. Where is the priest gone? The priest was killed by the ACLU and the other anti-religious vermin in America. And don't think I'm only talking about the poor or minorities. The young rich are part of the societal fracture as well. There may be two parents in the house, but they're left on their own as well. They're uncared for, unloved, because the parents are too involved in their own self-interest. So the kids resort to drugs or other ways to get attention. Who do you think Antifa is? Are these poor minorities from the inner city? No, they're coming from the suburbs and looking to each other as a family, albeit a family that wants to tear down society, destroy buildings, and hurt people. They think they can do whatever they feel they want to do because they do not care about any consequences they suffer because they've never suffered any consequences. The parents let them do what they wanted, even smearing feces on the wall. And in many cases, because of our fractured society, they do not pay any consequences. Has Antifa gone to jail? Very few, if any. But the poor people who rioted on January 6th, instead of having been granted amnesty by the great healer, Joe Biden, by the way, that would bring America together, wouldn't it? For the sake of America, I'm releasing all the people who have been arrested for January 6th. That would be healing. This cannot continue. Like the pelican, like the animal kingdom, they survive through order and passing down that discipline and those skills through generations. We're no longer seeing that. And the fractured election system you see now is because people no longer think they have to follow the rules. There is no order. There is no honor. Illegal aliens are allowed to vote, over a million in New York City alone. How many millions have voted to put this degenerate bum in the White House? How many millions have been rigged to put this corrupt party in New York State and in California in power and keep them there? There is no honor. This two-party system, by the way, is in part to blame. It guarantees conflict. It guarantees a winner and a loser. Therefore, it guarantees perennial division. You need to think very hard about this. We have a system that pits us against each other. And in the meantime, the ruling party, the political oligarchy, can do whatever they want with impunity. While we tear at each other and constantly attack each other, you have a ruling class that gets away with breaking laws, taking our hard-earned money, enriching themselves, and imposing rules on us they do not have to follow. They're laughing literally on the way to the bank. Think of Nancy Pelosi saying it's a free market economy when she got caught on insider trading. Inside of trading, she just laughed at us, let them eat cake. Queen Nancy. When the founders created our system of government, they did it with the idea that individuals would make decisions on their own. But it did not take too long for the people who compromised to form that original government to believe that their ideas were superior to their friends' ideas. And that's when we got political parties. Adams and Jefferson, two of the key founders who crafted the beautiful words of our Declaration of Independence, they formed political parties, and for a long while they hated each other. It was then, less than a decade after the formation of the government, 
that that fracture in our society began. And now that fracture may be beyond repair. It is now a chasm like the Grand Canyon. So what would you replace this system with? How can we heal our fractured society? Does it need to be replaced? Yes, I think we need a parliamentary system where many voices can be heard. I'm Michael Savage. I'll be back in a minute. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Our understanding, and obviously we're still looking into this, is that um, he was checked against U.S. government databases multiple times prior to entering the country, and the U.S. government did not have any derogatory information about the individual in our systems at the time of entry. We're certainly looking back, as I referenced, at what occurred to learn every possible lesson we can to prevent attacks like this in the future. We could have used some tough Jews like the gangster in Texas last week. That would be a good opening, right? Every Jew at 22, that's what Irv Rubin said 20 years ago. I mean, what if all the Jews had been armed? It would have been a shootout in the synagogue. It wouldn't have ended as well as this, but there was no guarantee they weren't going to be killed by this guy. He could easily have killed one and thrown him out of a, out of a door. Right. Did you see the video of the three of them rushing out and then him following and running back in? How did they get out? Oh, they threw a flashbang in. So how did the... Hostages know to run out. How did the oh, FBI sure. communicate with them? Does anyone know yet? There must have been a back communication. They must have said, we're going to throw flashbangs. When it happens, run out the door, right? Could have just been an instinct. I mean, if a flashbang goes off, I don't know anyone who's not going to start running. No, no, they're scared. They're just ordinary older men. They're not going to run. They wouldn't know what to do. They'd be scared to death. I just want to add something. Just I have a personal story that relates to this. In you in 2015, right after Russia in, took invaded U, Crimea, I visited Ukraine. I'm not Ukrainian, but I visited Ukraine. And why? What brought you there? I had a family friend. Um, I know from visiting hospitals. He would go. He has friends in Ukraine and has like ministry work over there. We went and visited and we never, we didn't stay in any hotels. We stayed in all homes of Ukrainians. And we went and visited this one family in this, in this town. And they showed us, a there was a picture, an old black and white photo on the wall. And they said, that was my grandfather. They said he died because his neighbor ratted him out to the Soviets. And because they would just, if for revenge reasons, if you didn't like the neighbor, it helped you financially, it would just rat each other out. So his picture stayed on the wall because they only killed the father, but that was his, they were his descendants and they still had his photo on the wall. And mm. that's what happened to him. That was his fate. And this is where this ends. Yeah, that could happen here. That's exactly mm. right. That's exactly where this goes. That's how it starts with the internal domestic terrorist. Who's a terrorist? I, I mean, there's a story of a special forces man I met once who very quietly said to me, I'm of Greek heritage. And he said, do you know about the Greek Civil War? I said, I know it was a communist revolution. He said, well, let me tell you what happened to my. My cousin, he was killed with shovels by his neighbors during the communist revolution in Greece because he had two cows when they had one. They called him a counter revolutionary. It was right out of Animal Farm, but much worse. That's what happens. That's what happens with this, this class envy. That's what happens with what Biden 
and Harris and the whole gang of rotten leftists are doing to this country. You saw the black who pushed, who shot that poor girl in Harlem, went into McDonald's and shot her. This little kid, Hispanic girl, no less, 18 years old. And when he was arresting, she said, where's my reparations? Where did the psychopath get that in his head? Everywhere. Everywhere. So when you start to foment this lie and this hatred, the marginal ones crack first and they justify their insanity with what is being disseminated by the by the media coming from the psychopath in the White House. All good. All good. Well, let's hope that we change this before it's too late. Now, I know many of you do not watch me on Newsmax TV, so I'm going to do you the service of replaying an appearance that I did about why the Muslim terrorist who took hostages in a Texas synagogue, why was he given a visa into the U.S.? Not why was he, why was he, is what I'm asking you. Who would have done that? He was known to British intelligence. He was known to be on a terrorist watch list. Who gave him the visa in the U.S. government? Well, joining me now is a man who has been on the front lines of calling out the dangers of Islamic terrorism and extremism, the host of the Michael Savage Show podcast. Our good friend, Dr. Michael Savage, is here. Doctor, good to see you. Grant, thanks for having me. I want to start by saying I'm the only member of the American media banned from entering Britain since 2009 for statements I didn't even say. I cannot get a visa into Britain. How did this man get a visa into America? But there are other questions that I'd like to raise if you've got a minute for me. And I, I tweeted this earlier. Of course. And I said this Texas rabbi, now posing as a hero, threw a chair and ran out. What about the FBI SWAT team who flashbanged and shot the terrorist dead? And I said something does not add up, Grant. Rabbi was a leftist, anti-Zionist, anti-gun rabbi. And why did he invite this terrorist into the synagogue to have tea with him? The rabbi is quoted as saying he looked like he needed help. I invited him for tea. The story doesn't add up, Grant. Something's not right here. Yeah, I don't know. Dr. Savage, come on. Whether you're a rabbi or whether you're a priest, somebody knocks on your door. Every single one of them I know invite you in whether he's a leftist or not i really don't care the thought that the fact that he threw a chair at him and ran out the door heck yeah i think that is hero worthy but that's what his that's what he's saying and i'm not so sure i trust this guy i'll tell you why congregants are saying he has called israel an apartheid state he has prohibited them from bringing guns to the congregation number two and number three i think we're missing something here grant I watched that story unfold. I heard the flashbangs go off before the congregants were allowed to run out. I believe that the FBI shot flashbangs in, distracted this terrorist, and on that cue, the congregants ran out, and then he was executed by the FBI. So this is a little foggy right now, and I'm not so sure we know the whole story, nor that we will ever know it. And... And we may or we may not. But in the end, we go back to the very first statement. Forget about the rabbi. okay? whatever you want to say about him, I am actually I'll take him at his word for now. okay? I I owe him Mm -hmm. that. But the FBI coming out and saying, we don't know this guy's motive early on. Well, that's crazy. 100 percent right. The security state. I agree that that part is crazy. But I blame the the culture of the Biden administration for that right now. The security state FBI tells us that the situation was not ethnically motivated. Are you kidding me? The same security state at the DOJ under this guy who's running it now 
is targeting U.S. citizens and school board members and anyone who questions the government and saying we're all racially motivated in, in, in disagreeing with anybody. So, no, I don't believe any of that. But but Grant, from my point of view, who shot and killed the terrorist? Wasn't it the FBI that did that? Which raises another question. Yeah, it Why may have was been the, the Texas? Doesn't Texas have local police with SWAT teams? Why were they not allowed to go in and kill this guy? So here's what's interesting, and it leads me back to the belief of why I think the FBI needs to be disbanded. They brought in a hostage crisis team from Washington, D.C. They flew them in here. Uh, Why aren't they ready to go in a major city like Dallas? Why isn't there a team ready to go? Eleven hours this, this standoff lasted for. And the fact that he still doesn't think there's any aspect of an ongoing threat when we have Islamic extremists, Dr. Savage... You're Jewish, you're not. They, they, they'd rather take you out to the beach and lop your heads off, and I'm right behind you. What well, them wanting to lop my head off? Well, don't lop my head off. Whatever you do, there's too much in there to fall out. But uh, uh, I don't know. I agree with <laughs> I you. Up, Grant, I agree with you up to a point. But you know, it's like the local police. It's like saying the police are bad because the captain is bad or the police commissioner is politically uh, bad. Yeah. I don't believe the FBI agents well, who, who committed... Grant, they shot the guy and killed him. That's pretty good. Work. I'm not talking about uh, Dr. Savage, but I'm not talking about the, that this specific instance. I'm talking about the history of the FBI that now oh, shows all story. it does is the bidding story. Of, of the left wing party. You know, all your all your talking and points were great. I know that the Fort Hood massacre. It was appalling. It was in 2015. I remember railing about it. You know that he still isn't executed. That psychiatrist is still in no, jail. It's re- it's ridiculous. Hey, Dr. Savage, good conversation. It's not often we disagree on everything, but uh, hey, like I said, it makes for good TV. Thank you, it's buddy, a, as always. It's not even a debate. It's a discussion. I mean, you and I have a discussion, not a debate. We're not disagreeing. Are we disagreeing? And you know I, I love having discussions with you. <laughs> All right. Dr. Michael Savage, everybody, thank you so much. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. As I promised you, here is the second part of my interview with the last Jewish gangster by popular demand. Thank you for listening. Share this podcast with 10 people. We went from your background, the chronicles of the last Jewish gangster, the fact that uh, you're the only remaining Jewish gangster that we know of, of, of your time. Your father, Bernie, was the partner of Abe Green, one of the leaders of the Jewish mob, which included Lansky, Siegel, and Rothstein. And we concluded, or we moved to, you're 83 years old, 83 today or 84? 84. 84. God bless you. God, I should live that long, at least that long, I hope. But Amen, amen. I'll be, I'll be hitting 80 in March. That was my goal, is to get to March after the last little uh, You got another 40 years after that. Yeah, right. And from your lips. To you know, you know why we say 120, Michael? Moses is, uh, believe me, I know, the age of Moses. Huh? It's the age of Moses. You want to hear a joke to go with that one? So there was, there's a, a region of the earth where people lived into the 130s, 140s in Kazakhstan or something. So if someone went there from America who was researching them and said, may you live to the age of Moses, they got mad at them and walked out of the room. It was, it was like an insult that they would only live to the age of Moses. I always loved that joke. That was a positive one. But, but, but let me let, you know what the real blessing of being of saying live to the age of 120 is that according to scriptures that Moses at the age of 120 all right, his natural forces had not abated. He could still have a child. So they, asked the, they asked the sages, what, what does that mean? He says, yes, 
He can father children. He can still get a stifer. I get it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I have to slip that into the... uh, You can see I know some of the the lingo. I'm I'm holding back some of the stuff that we'd have over a pickle here. I can't say it all here on them because we're going to publish this. Uh, Tell me about the Italians you knew. Because when you say gangster in America, everyone thinks of the the Italian gangsters. But people don't know that the Jews in the early part of the 1900s were intimately connected with the Italian mob, right? Well, we, 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 here's the difference. The, 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 the Jews we, were one generation. I am the tail end. So, so when people say to me, how can you be the last Jewish gangster as others? You know, you're not the last. I am. I'm the last of that world of my father. There's nobody left that can tell the story, that knows yeah. the story, knows new Doc Statue, new Meyer Lansky, new Abe Swellman, Abe Green, new more. Well, right? when you said knew them, did you meet them? Yeah, sure. Amazing. Oh, sure. Oh, I grew up with That's my world. So this is not just from stories. You knew no, these. No, 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 no stories, nothing. I could know them all. Knew them personally. Um, they, my, they were my father's partners. My father's partners with Meyer Lansky in the Riviera Hotel in Nevada. Unbelievable. I sat, I sat with Meyer Lansky in Israel. I was very close with Doc Statue. I was very close with Abe Green. I was, I was a kid. I, we used to go up to Longy's house. I knew, knew them all. Knew them all. Every one of them. A to Z. Well, that's and a knew big... all the guys that were part of the Minutemen that fought the American Nazi Party. Yep. These were my father's friends. My father was born in Newark, New Jersey, February 12th, Abraham Lincoln's birthday, 1900. Mm. I, he grew up in Newark knowing, knowing everybody from that world. Mm. So Meyer Lansky and his brother Jake used to come to Newark all the time to, to see Longy. You know, Longy. My, Myron, the story of Meyer Lansky intrigues me in one, one in, in particular in one area. He had one son who was handicapped so to speak isn't that correct so the oldest son went to west point then he had a a son buddy and a daughter the daughter sandy i think her name was sandy um yeah he had he had three kids buddy was crippled though yeah he had polio polio was what okay i didn't know what the cause of the disability was but that destroyed him in a way didn't it didn't it wreck him um it, it, uh, it, it destroy any father. Now, tell any, me about it. I have a brother who was born that way. It destroyed my family right. in many ways. So I, right. I understand what it does. It's a, it's a hardship. The parent has the problem. They of blame each other. They blame the world. They blame God. They don't know who to blame. Believe me. What so, about the son who went to West Point? Uh, I, I think never, that, I never I knew think, about that. Lansky had a son who went to West Point. Yes, yes. He, they changed his name to Lewis, um, and he moved out west and so forth. I, I think that um, maybe he's my Meyer neighbor. Lansky, in terms, in terms of as far as being a, a father was concerned, uh, it was he did not live that kind of a life that led itself to a. Uh, to, to, to be on top of. Listen, I have a son uh, that's got eight kids. Mm. The most remarkable parents God, on the planet. God bless parents. you. Yeah, yeah. The, each kid, each kid is taken care of in terms of uh, comes home. We go over the work together, the schooling, mm. 
your athletics, your this, your that. Amazing. Okay, so no, uh, I'm just simply making a. Meyer Lansky was in Cuba. Meyer Lansky was here. Meyer Lansky was there. Not easy. He was not a family man. He was not a man that was around. Not easy. I'm Michael Savage. Back in a minute. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Myron, before we move on, the Italians, per se, interestingly enough, uh, didn't really trust Jews in the beginning, right? I mean, they didn't really trust them around them. They wanted only Sicilians in their world, correct? The original Black Hand came from Sicily, and they were uh, xenophobic. They trusted nobody. Trust, they didn't even trust anybody from Naples. I, I, for good reason. <laughs> they didn't trust anybody from Calabria. They didn't no, trust oh, anybody for from good America. reason. A totally different world. Yeah, but it, correct. But, but if correct. you study the Sicilian world of conquest by six, by nine different foreign right. powers right. that conquered, you right. know, well, as an educated man, people. I once said that to a Sicilian who got mad at me because he was a tall guy with blue eyes. I said, the reason you're tall is because of the conquest by the Scandinavians. He got mad at me. He says, we were never conquered. I said, look, don't get mad at me. I'm giving you history. (laughs) Well, it's true. They don't even know that Sicily was a nation that had been conquered and picked up a lot of the cultures that came in and, you know, absorbed it. Uh, Like America in many ways. This is supposed to be a melting pot, but it's become a chamber pot right now. Right. So the the Italians, the Italians, they had to kill the, the, the young Turks how to get rid of the mustache beats. So they killed Joe, uh, the boss Masseria, and they killed uh, Salvatore Maranzano. They were the two bosses of the, what was known as the uh, Black Hand. The Castamalmari Wars, the wars that took place between these two bosses. And then eventually Lucky Luciano, he emerged as the leader. And Lucky Luciano uh, had a, uh, mentality. He was a visionary. He saw that there was great future in doing business with Jews. Cooperation is better than competition. And that's what happened is the Jews and the Italians basically sat down and made a uh, business together. We Jews are one generation. We send our kids, uh, the, the, the parents send the kids to university, get an education, become a, a doctor, become a dentist, become an accountant, become a lawyer. It's we don't we don't bring our kids into crime, all right. Make the money and then clean it up. Go into legitimate business. You don't need you don't need once you make it. You don't need to be. The problem is, is that the the question is the Italians. It's cultural, so they bring in their kids. A lot of them, not all of them, but enough of them that bring in their kids and make. It's generation to generation. It's a big thing. You're going to get the button. You're going to be made. You're going to you're going to swear Alberta. You're going to cut your finger. You're going to have the blood, and you're going to be a made member, all right, of the secret society. Unfortunately, today it's not so secret as it was in the past, because you got a lot of guys running around babbling. Both. So, so, but the Jews, we were one generation. My kids, uh, you know, I'm a, 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 a unique case. My kids, I didn't want them to be, uh, t- there was no future in, in being an outlaw. So 
like I said, one kid become a rabbi, the other ones are legitimate. But everything is legal today anyway. I don't know what, what crime there is to go into. Oh, uh, there'll always, as long as there's laws, there'll always be crimes. As long as there's People, laws, there'll be outlaws. <laughs> and for, the, the powers to be create laws, all right, in order to protect their interests. Mm. And so you're going to always have a, a people that are going to look for the for the uh, opportunity um, to take advantage. Always looking for looking for the opportunity to to uh, beat the system. So let's go back to the first topic we touched on, which is the political gangsters in Congress today. Not all of them. And uh, I asked you, who is the biggest gangster in American politics today? I don't think there's an answer to that question. But the answer is this. How did they do it so nakedly now? When I was a kid growing up in the 50s, they went out of their way to hide their corruption. It's almost now that they glorify it. They wave it in the face of the people like, gay and red, see what you can do to me. See if you can touch me. They don't care. Pelosi says a thing like, uh, it's a free market society. We could do insider trading, whatever. We, I never heard anything like this. Nobody cares. They don't have to go into could, any criminality. Okay, so. <laughs> I know. Okay, I'm not asking. <laughs> Let me ask you one last question on politics. What do you think of Vladimir Putin? Vladimir Putin is, uh, is a strong man. And you, this guy, this you got look at his history. This guy was KGB in East Germany. All right, but he he obviously learned from the best. The best was Marcus Wolf, the head of Stasi, a, a Jew. Hmm. He was a, a, a East Berlin, East Germany. He was the head of the German secret service uh, called Stasi, S T A S S I. Jeez. Marcus Wolf was a, a genius, the, the, the greatest of them all. Um, Putin comes from from East Germany. Uh, he, he, he got his bones on his, in East Germany as a as a KG, the head of KGB. Speaks German. Oh. He's a tough guy. He's a he's a he's a he's not somebody that you're going to push around. Well, he right? certainly he certainly is a nationalist who loves his nation. There's no question oh, no. about it. So I'm going to give you my analysis before we go, Myron. Go ahead. Talk show host guy. Uh, Ukraine, the war drums. To me, it's a repeat of World War One happening again with these weaklings here like Neville Chamberlain sending a little woman over to, to try and uh, put down a German, a Russian general now, scare him. So Putin's moving these tanks and troops onto the border of Ukraine. In my opinion, he says he's being provoked by Biden and the West who want to put missiles in Ukraine, which threatened his homeland. He said just last week, if you don't make uh, Ukraine part of NATO, I will not invade Ukraine. They said, we'll do what we want anyway. It seems to me that this group around Biden won a war in order to prop this man up by having the nation rally around a leader in a time of war. I'm terrified by what could happen. What do you think? I think that the Ukraine belong, you know, is we, we, we should Mind our own business. Thank you. I, I think definitely we should mind it's our own. Not in our backyard. Yeah, it's not our backyard. We 
we have enough problems without without going to concerning ourselves with Russia and Ukraine. We have a problem today in Latin America, which is nobody—it's—it's it's swept under the rug. Yes, under the carpet. Nobody, nobody is watching what's going on in Latin America. Well, I know there's a left-wing revolution going on. In fact, even in Peru, in Chile, they just elected a leftist leader. Yes, bar, bar something. Uh, they didn't even learn enough yet from what went on under Allende. They have to do it again. Again, they have to yeah. go back to that. Yeah, they just Chile just elected a. And an anti a pro Palestinian, pro Arab, anti Israel uh, president. All right. Well, the whole of now, Latin America is moving left. The whole Latin America is moving left, and America's moving left. It seems so, to me like the whole Western Hemisphere is caving into this decadence and to this insanity. Okay, so let's let's now talk about our eighty percent Jews of America. All right. How can they possibly not see what you and I are talking about right now? Because they're not as smart as us. No, they're smarter. Because some of those people are fantastically educated and smart and so forth. Well, I'll answer, no, I'm going to answer that question. There was a guy who ran the Jewish Defense League, Irv Rubin, many years ago. Did you ever meet oh, him? Oh, I knew him. Irv Rubin said, I remember he was on the stage once. He beat up some, some Ku Klux Klan members right on television. He knocked the whole set over. He was like a bull. I, I love the guy. Now, they killed him in prison. I remember what they did to him. That's right. But Irv Rubin said that there's something wrong with my people. He said they could be the smartest businessmen, smartest doctors, the smartest lawyers. He said, but when it comes to survival, they're absolute idiots. Yeah, they, the, the law, of, the, the basic law of mankind, of human beings, is the law of survival. Thank you. And, and just they have absolutely no, no Darwinian instincts whatsoever. Myron, why did they knock off Herb Rubin in jail? He went into the same prison where, 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 where he died, where... Uh, who was it? Epstein died in the same holding. No, no, I think Irv, no, Irv, Irv Rubin, I think, died in California. But why did they kill him? I don't know. I don't I have no idea. But Epstein, for sure, they killed him. You, now, for sure. Far, oh, <laughs> is the sky blue? <laughs> and that's because he had the names of who were and he would have he would have without, without a doubt. Without a doubt, they had to get rid of him. They have to get rid of this Maxwell girl. She's not except. Gonna, huh? She's not going to last. Of course, she's going to open up. She's going to talk. But the question is, she'll talk. But will that will it be suppressed? Will somebody tell these people what you heard? You forget about you didn't hear anything. I mean, when the media jumps in right away, that she's not reliable. They're right away. They'll smear her. A hundred percent. Unless she says it was Trump. They won't even report the story. OK, it's 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 a it's a fixed crap game that you We'll be right back after this quick break. Home of Borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. Aaron, nice. when are you going to be in Florida to visit your, your children and grandchildren? What End of February. When? End of February. You know, you can't get Chinese food in southern Florida. It's garbage. My mother, rest her soul, lived in Century Village in, uh, you know, in, uh, in Delray, West Boca. So I would call her from New York all the time. I'd say, Ma, she said, how's the food? She's horrible. That's so all she said was the food was horrible in the facility. She hated it. So I arranged for taxis. At that time, there was no Uber. To, I called. It took me forever. They had to go to a, a deli for her and deliver it from the taxi. I got one company. They would deliver the deli. Then they would deliver the, the Italian food for her. So I would say to her, Ma, how was the food I had delivered? She's not as good as New York. No matter what I did, it wasn't as good. So believe me, but you can't get good. So, but wait, Myron, here's the point. 
way out on Federal Highway on Military Trail, there's a Chinese restaurant where my mother went before she was too feeble to go or unable, unable to go. The restaurant is still there. I go in that place. The food's horrible. There's 90 year old Jews sitting around eating the same dreck that killed all of my ancestors. They're eating those crispy noodles with the garbage, you know, the oil in it. And they all look like they live on the moon. They're old and they're, they're like they're, they're worn down from the pebbles over their face. They're okay. this tall and they sit in the booths. You see couples in their 90s still eating that garbage. And I say to my wife, I said, there must be something good about this bad food because they're, they're, 90, they're 90 years old, right? They're still eating the garbage. It's still there. And, it, and here's the weird part. Myra, talking about food. I live in San Francisco. I don't go there anymore because it become you know what? I used to go to a Hunan restaurant, clay pot cookery, wonderful food. The one Hunan restaurant in all of the Boca area was the one my mother went to. And I never knew it until 10 years after she passed away. You're like my, my son. Is, uh, he's a rabbi, but as a kid, he used to work in the warehouse, fixing the slot machines so that the jackpots <laughs> never paid. Are there still slot machines? If you if you come to New York one night, one day, and I, I'll take you to all of the the neighborhoods, all right? You have zillions of neighborhoods of New York. You walk into a bodega, you walk to the back room, all right? And you'll find machines. And some of them don't even, most of the places don't even have back rooms, all right? It's, it's today, today with the, with the, in my time, in my time, I had three state cases and three federal cases. Today, they don't even bother prosecuting these things anymore. Uh, gambling machines, illegal gambling machines. Nothing. They could gamble. Nothing. It's absolutely. Like you said at the beginning, of, online gambling now is so big. What do they care about a slot machine? It's it's not only that. It's not. It, that's true. It's already accepted. <laughs> and number two, you'll have a lawless government today in the United States of America. Yes. Nobody goes to jail anymore. Well, yes, right? they do. If they protested on January 6th, they're still in jail without bail. How do you like that? Okay. okay. Again, who's holding who's holding the scepter of power? Thank you. Whoever no, holds terrible. the scepter of power. <laughs> Where are all of the liberal Jews who are First Amendment big mouths who have not said one word about this illegal holding of these people who who rioted on January 6th? Without bail, I never heard of anything like this. You, 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 do you expect them really to to protest the fact that they oh they 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 invaded they invaded the White House uh, they invaded the the the, the uh, what do you call it? the yeah. Congress? Look at um, do you hear liberal Jews protesting the fact that there are attacks today on Orthodox Jews throughout? No. No, United States. no. And I, I follow it. I understand. They say nothing. The Larry David crowd. I get it. They're the people who are the curse upon humanity, in my estimation. But I don't want to see you're a positive guy. I tend to get a little angry and negative, and I'm going to avoid that for the moment. Are there any final words of wisdom from Myron Sugarman, who goes back a long way, a partner in crime, if you want to call it that, who has charmed this audience today? And uh, you've charmed many audiences. You uh, go back to the age of Maya Lansky and whatnot. Any final words today for my audience? Yeah. One of the things that uh, the truths that I have learned in life, um, 
guys will tell me, you know, we're going to hit this guy over the head. You want to do this? You want to do that? And so forth. And so I said, listen, in life, if you're thinking of using muscle mm. at the end, all right, it's because you didn't use your brain in the beginning. Jesus. So many of problems are created because we jump in too fast and we're all guilty of it. We jump too fast. We act too fast. We act. We didn't think it through. Mm. But if you think it through, all right, that's number one. You will, you, you don't need to use a, a, your muscle. And, and if you're thinking in terms of using your muscle, it's because you didn't use your brain. So don't blame the guy that screwed you. Blame yourself because you screwed yourself. <laughs> there were telltale signs, and you, you, you chose to avoid it. Interesting. I had a guy. I, my guy was a, a Louis, Louis guy. They called him Louis Red. He, he was my rabbi in the streets. All right. Very, I had a very professional relationship with him. Man was extremely, extremely smart, extremely wise. Um, he, he loved philosophy. So I would see, meet with him once a week. And each time we would meet, he would repeat the same wisdom. Everything but principle leaves this earth. Wow. He says, the only thing, you're not going to take anything with you. Not a damn thing. They're going to put you in a box, put you in the earth. Mm-hmm. The only thing that you leave behind is wisdom. He says, so if you learn something as far as life is concerned, you'll make sure you pass it on to the next generation so that the people will know that you lived. You will live through the wisdom that you transfer from one generation to the next. He says, that's the only thing that has any value whatsoever, eternal value. Because money... I agree with you. Look, Myron, when I was young, I analyzed the whole picture. I could have gone in a lot of different directions. And I realized, I even wrote it when I was 16, 17, the only thing we leave behind is what we may write, for example. I've been a writer my whole life. I've written 28 books. So I've always felt... Let's put it to you this way. To the Hebrew, the word is the deed. We are people of the word. We are people of the book. That would be my statement to what you just said. Of course, that's the wisdom. The, 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 um, what, my, what my son teaches, he's a Talmudic scholar. He teaches the wisdom of generation after generation after generation, centuries and centuries and centuries, which, by the way, was ultimately codified. It took 600 and some odd years in order to, code it, to, to, to write it, codify it, and then it gets passed on from generation to generation. All it's doing is passing on wisdom, 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 wisdom. So according to the, according to the Jewish religion, all of this originates. It's all origins are found with God giving everything to Moses. It's a fantastic, it's a fantastic diamond. Who wants to? Who wants to lose that diamond? I hear you. You know, I don't want to have the last word. You can have it. But you're, 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 again, you always trigger me with other thoughts. That's how you and I go. It's back and forth forever, like a seesaw, just talking two guys on a park bench, talking forever with God's will. So it reminds me again of something, which is take all of the world's religions. And I've studied them all. I have studied all the major religions and then some. I've lived in Fijian villages where there was no religion but the primitives. It all comes down to one thing. All religions boil down to one thing. Do not do unto others what you would not have them do to you. 
or do unto others what you would have them do to you. Don't you yeah. think that really is the unifying principle of what religion should be? Kindness. Didn't Rabbi, didn't Rabbi Hillel tell that to the, to the guy that knocked on the door? There were two rabbis, Rabbi Hillel and Rabbi Shammai. And uh, somebody comes to the uh, Rabbi Shammai, who was, uh, he was a tough cookie, and he says to him, teach me, uh, teach me the Torah while I'm standing on one leg. <laughs> and Rabbi Shammai says to him, get the hell out of here. All right, you're nuts. Get out. So he goes to Rabbi Hillel, and he says, Rabbi Hillel, teach me Torah while I'm standing on one leg. And so Rabbi Hillel says, do not do to others that which you don't want done to yourself. That is the essence of Torah. All right, now get the hell out of here and go home and study. On those last words, I'm going to let you get ready to go visit the, the, uh, the cemetery today of the Rebbe. All right, Myron. You know about the documentary, huh? I do. I watched the, the trailer. You look great in it when you were a young kid. You're a real stalker. Oh, uh, that was all piss and vinegar, as the old man used to say. Well, you still got uh, it in you. And uh, okay. I, Myron, Michael, have a wonderful all trip. Be- all the best. I leave you with a blessing because it's my birthday and I have the, I have the right to bless on my birthday. Please, I'm open. What's the blessing? So I'm giving you a blessing. Odd. Ad may I serim until 120 in good health. And may you, when upon your, your 120th birthday, you'll be the father of many children. All right. Isn't that beautiful? I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> God bless you. Nice talking to you. Bye Thanks now. So Thank you, Myron. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Terror Strikes America, part of this podcast as well. Uh, Last week we spoke about it, the domestic terror unit, and it's really a way to punish dissidents in America and those of us who will be made guilty for thought crimes. There's more to this than meets the eye. I sent my concerns about this in the form of a recent appearance on Newsmax TV about the domestic terror unit and how it should threaten all of us, including liberals most particularly, to a very prominent American journalist, who I will not mention. And I know he's a leftist, but a really nice guy, not a communist, but just a real classic liberal. And he said to me, quote-unquote, domestic terrorism, hmm? a term all but guaranteed to make anyone who cares about civil liberties feel at least a little bit suspicious. Will we ever agree on just what that term means? Should we retire it completely, he wrote. Well, he's 100% right. He got it. He got why I was trying to write to him, is that I was trying to awaken a real liberal to what this government is doing and how they're not real liberals. They're anything but real liberals. The Federalist had a story the other day. New domestic terror unit is a way to punish Americans for thought crimes. On Tuesday, well, whenever that week was, Tuesday, They said, while admitting there is no single federal crime labeled domestic terrorism, a DOJ official promised to invoke a criminal code that allows enhanced sentences for certain crimes listed as terror offenses. What? What crimes? What is it? Tell me where this blurred definition begins and ends. The National Defense and Authorization Act's definition of domestic terrorism 
refers to, quote, unlawful use or threat of force of violence in furtherance of ideological agendas, unquote, in the context of political or anti-government extremism. Well, that would be BLM. That would be Antifa, wouldn't it? Can you understand where they're going here? We know that federal agents will not apply this correctly. They will direct it as they have done at parents angry at school board meetings to the January 6, 2021 riots. Are you listening? Did you hear what happened? In July of this year, after pleading guilty to obstruction of an official proceeding, nonviolent January 6 defendant Paul Hodgkins, who had no prior criminal record, was given a heavy eight-month sentence by so-called Judge Randolph Morse, who described him as one of the many terrorists that day, lumping him in with those who committed actual violence and the radical Muslims who continue to commit radical violence. That is an assault on democracy, not the riots on January 6th. It was wrong, but it was not terrorism. There were no guns used. Are you listening? Judge Morse was unable to explain how his particular crime of roaming the Senate floor for 22 minutes had enabled violence. The judge admitted that the punishment wasn't based entirely on individual guilt, but on a perverse idea of balanced justice. Listen to this. That's a judge? That's a judge? So the individual Hodgkins went out the window, and he was now judged as a group. By that definition, all members of Antifa, BLM, and the ACLU are terrorists. Do you understand where this is going? Anyone may be considered a terrorist by being within a distance of what others may be doing if their political leanings are on a similar wavelength. So my friends, the new domestic terror unit is how terror has come to America. We are all now living in a reign of terror. Here's another story for you, for those of you who have your head in the sand. This came from an obscure website, The Vault Project. 19 federal agencies proposed plans to track people or request religious exemptions to COVID vaccines. What? Well, it raises concerns, doesn't it? What will the government do with this information? How will they share this information? How will this information on religious exemption be used to discriminate against people for their political and religious beliefs. What this dirty, degenerate federal government did under Biden is using the court services and offender supervision agency for the District of Columbia. It announced it will begin tracking all federal employees who file for religious exemptions effective Feb 10, 2022. This organization, CSOSA, will create a database called the, quote, Employee Religious Exception Request Information System to collect religious accommodation requests. You know that this is a furtherance of the socialist, anti-religious, and anti-conservative agenda. This established system will be included in the Pretrial Services Agency for the District of Columbia Privacy Act System of Records. Now, according to the Heritage Foundation, There are at least 19 federal agencies that have created or proposed creating tracking lists for religious exemption requests for their employees. You should be frightened by this. The list includes the Department of Justice, the Department of Health and Human Services, Department of Transportation, Department of the Treasury. 
And the fact of the matter is they claim they're being issued to implement King Biden's COVID-19 executive order on federal government employees. It is terrifying to believe they're going after religious people who are claiming religious exemption to COVID vaccines. If this is not punitive, tell me what is. These agencies, these spy agencies working for King Biden will collect the following data. Listen carefully. This could be your grandmother. Name of the individual seeking accommodation. Religious affiliation. Wait a minute. They're asking religious affiliation? I thought that's illegal. Reason for requesting an accommodation. How long the religious belief has been held. Information concerning religious affiliation. The nature of the sincerely held religious belief. Practice or observance. The need for accommodation. Any appropriate documentation. Details of the accommodation requests. How complying with the mandate would burden religious exercise. Names, contact information, date of birth, aliases, home address, gender, contact information, pay grade or band, business associates, supervisor information, and other identification of the individual. This information collected by Biden's fascist regime will be shared with other federal agencies and stored in the federal register. Do you understand how insane this is? How unconstitutional this is? Do you understand what is happening right in front of your eyes? Do you understand why I'm saying terror has struck America and it's not coming from the terrorists that you would expect? It is coming from the federal government itself. Wake up before you are targeted yourself. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.